It's another hurricane season, and right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. The gorgeous cryptid huntress. Thank you for coming on in. And Sally Alka, looking lovely tonight. Obi Flett, nice to see you. And uh, where are we here? Uh, there's Pac Woman over on Twitch. Hello and good evening to you. Awesome Ann Palmer, uh, Kentucky Robert, thanks for coming on in. Noble Patrick, the gorgeous Avi May, Blues in G, Cyrax Winters, welcome to SOR chat. Chris Teen, good to see you. And uh, the uh, Hi Hobbs, welcome to SOR chat. Margie O, looking lovely tonight. And Bigfoot Rob, always looking lovely. Zen One, hey, I'm still waiting to hear from you uh, to talk some internet stuff, if you don't mind, and website stuff. Could you message me, please? I would appreciate that. And uh, who else is here? Um, Sweet Donna C, there she is. And I think we are officially caught up here. Uh, the Super Chat is a wonderful way to start this show and to support what we do. Hey, Gong Show, how you doing, buddy? And, of course, do your shopping at spacedoutradio.com. We got a fantastic store with fantastic product. The Doug Shelby is here, everyone. The Doug Shelby. We can officially start right now. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio. Talk Street Live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bubblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find us on your website. I'm telling you, we are in for a good show tonight. And we may have to change things on the fly here because our guest over in Europe is having troubles uh, hooking up with us. And it's getting a little tough right now, so we may have to make a change on the fly. Hey, that happens in radio. 
That happens with what we do. Sometimes, you know, people, uh, their internet doesn't work, or maybe they sleep in, or, or whatever it may be. But nonetheless, we are going to have a hell of a show for you tonight as we are going to get into some topics that you want. You know what? I think what I'm going to do here is I'm going to open up the calls uh, to all of you. And that is going to be a good thing for us to do. That is going to be a very, very good thing for us to do. So so we're going to make a, a judgment call here on the fly because our guest still hasn't arrived yet. So, Filth, I know uh, you are a booking agent. You're listening. Uh, just send him a message back and say we'll, we'll try and rebook him for another date. But we got to get going here. We have a show to do, and we got to make sure that we have a, a broadcast to put up because when it comes down to situations like this, hey, we have no control at some time. And, hey, that's just the way it goes. We're doing it on the fly here. So we're going to open up the topics to all of you tonight and everything that you guys want to talk about regarding anything to do with UFOs, anything to do with cryptids, anything to do with the topics at hand. We're going to get into some serious discussion here. And we're going to make this what it's worth. So we're instead of waiting, I'm going to put the link in to our YouTube chat room right off the bat here. And if you want to call in or if you don't want to call in but you have any topics that you want me uh, to discuss with you or questions that you have, we're going to make things going. We don't do this a lot where we have people coming on in and, and from the audience and really dictating the show. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. We got to be able to move on the fly. So that's what we're doing tonight. So let's do an open lines tonight. I know in a little bit we're probably going to get Tim Senor to, to join us a little bit early, to, and we'll get into some UFO stuff or whatever. But what do you guys want to talk about in the audience? Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen. Put your questions in capital letters, and we will make it work. We will absolutely make it work, and I, I'm, I'm very excited and curious to see where this show is going to go. So I hope all of you had a great Father's Day weekend. I hope you all had a good time, and all the dads out there and stepdads and foster dads out there had just a great weekend uh, celebrating for the great job that you do on a on a yearly basis. I had a great one myself. I'll tell you what I did. Mine actually started on Saturday. So normally I'm one of those people who is very finicky about the length of his grass. I am one of those jerks out there who always has to have the perfect lawn. And I got to tell you that I am very, very excited to say that I bought a new lawnmower. I did. I bought a new lawnmower on Saturday. Now, for a lot of you, that may not be exciting, but I have over half an acre to mow, and I sure as hell am not pushing. So my old uh, craftsman uh, lawnmower finally gave out. So I went and bought a new Husqvarna tractor. You know, one of those tractor styles, mini tractors with the, with the, they got the deck on it that uh, does the cutting. I went and bought one of those. And I haven't had a chance to mow my lawn all year. And it's been raining up here. So we had a late winter. The snow melted in August. By the time the grass started growing, it was probably May. 
And then due to rain and everything, I haven't been able to get my lawn mowed. So I finally was able to mow my lawn on Saturday and Sunday. It looks like crap right now, but I can say this. I've got a new lawnmower, and that's what was exciting. So the other thing that was exciting was that little thing you don't know about Dave. I really, really dig, man. I dig flowers. I like a nice garden and, you know, flower pots and everything. So I went and spent like $250 yesterday on getting flowers for my garden and and all my plants for my, uh, for my patio. And I really, really enjoyed that really enjoyed the idea of having a a nice patio. It adds some color. It adds some flavor. I got a new rose bush that, uh, has like already like 40 buds on it that haven't uh, bloomed yet. So I'm pretty excited about that. And that was the exciting part of my day. And then I watched a movie last night. And you know on Facebook where you have uh, these these uh, little snippets of movies, there's always that one from that NASA movie that has the lady who plays Kathleen Johnson and back when NASA was segregated and Kevin Costner is like smashing down the uh, white women's only sign uh, for uh, the bathrooms, I, 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 I get that on my feed at least once a week. And I've wanted to see that movie and I finally saw it last night and damn it, am I glad I did. And I know it's based on a true story and you have to take... Hollywood with a grain of salt when they say that. But I'm telling you right now that I was so impressed with that movie of learning the story of Kathleen Johnson, where she came from, how educated and brilliant she was as a as a young girl having to go to a, a leave home at an early age because of she was just so brilliant in mathematics. I mean, this is a lady who literally literally helped put people on the moon. She alone saved the Gemini and Apollo programs you know, with her mathematics and her and her geometry and everything along it. Man, was I glad that I saw that movie. It's a few years old, but well worth it. Well, well worth it. We have Tim Senor here. He's joining in. He's from the UFO Report filling in here, and he has jumped on in early after uh, being on with Thomas Fessler's Disclosure tonight. This is going to be a long one for you tonight, Tim. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing really well, Dave. Actually, thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun to be on your show. You've got a, a great audience. And so there's a lot of stuff going on, right? So we're going to have plenty to talk about. We will, but we want to get some audience members in here too. Okay, we we do. I think that's what, you know, we rarely get a chance to talk to the audience here. And I think that what we're going to do tonight, Tim, is we'll have some topics. You already have your topic set for uh, the UFO report a little bit later on. But I want to uh, see what our audience wants to talk about. We'll see if they want to come in and chat as well during this. Uh, let's let's start off with Evan right off the bat here, who is asking, let's talk about the Montauk monster story, if anyone's heard about it. Now, are you familiar with this one, Tim? Um, I'm familiar with Montauk, New York, and the Montauk Boys, but um, not the monster. 
Okay. Very curious. So there's a big debate going on, and this goes back to even tying into the Philadelphia experiment, that in Montauk, New York, which is on Long Island, that there is this uh, strange monster that washed up on the beach in July of 2008. Now, this thing, I do, yeah. it looks like a pig, the body of a pig, but it's got the head of a gargoyle or a turtle or something on it. Mm-hmm. And it is yeah. just freaky. And to this day, nobody knows what it is. But this has led to all sorts of conspiracy theories on whether or not they were reproducing and re-engineering animals and crossbreeding them. And there's also a talk that there was a point due to this conspiracy theory that they were doing tests on human beings and animals as well to try and create super soldier type of animals. And this is something that has been very eerie over the last number of of decades, or at least the last decade, decade and a half regarding this, because there's so much conspiracy running around the U.S. government with, with super soldiers and super animals. I mean, hell, there was a time when, uh, you know, we all believed that Russia was trying to make super soldiers out of gorillas or, or Sasquatch or something along those lines. And, you know, hey, we don't know if it's true or not, but that is one ugly monster, man. One ugly, ugly monster. It is. I do know the photograph that you're talking about now, and I do remember looking at that and wondering... Um, I do think that there's potential for hybridization out there and who knows if experiments went wrong and then were released or who knows how things could potentially get discarded out into nature and end up finding their ways back to our beaches or our backyards for that matter. Oh, very true. Uh, very true. And, uh, you know, it, it's something where, the mystery because Montauk the base just seemed to close. There was no real reason given for the for the base to close outside of, you know, we, we just don't have the budget anymore. We're cutting budget and you know, the typical answers that we get. I mean, but initial reports on this creature, the Montauk monster, say it could have been a turtle without a shell. It could have been, uh, let's see, a large rodent. People are claiming that it's a dog, but it the face doesn't match a dog at all. Or once again, right. uh, a science experiment from the nearby government animal testing facility, the Plum Island Animal Disease Center. Now, I'm getting this information from a highly uncredible source, which is Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. And, you know, but, hey... Last I checked, turtles didn't have hooves. Right, right. And um, I have heard a lot of mystery around that area. Um, I believe that you were right. You'd mentioned the Philadelphia experiment. There were some experiments being done supposedly with MK Ultra at that location as well uh, with mind control and psionics and things like that. Um, I also remember there was a video conducted of somebody that had gone to the location and found a big decommissioned radio tower, 
with um, a big dish, a rotating, what would have it, one point rotated dish. And it makes you wonder why would a location like that need a big dish like that unless it was potentially sending or receiving signals that were experimental in psionics, perhaps? Radio waves? Who knows? It could be. It, it could very well be. I mean, we really don't know regarding what this type of creature was and, and even the programs. And, and I think the more we go down the rabbit hole, Tim, with a lot of these programs that are happening, we really are going to be shocked if a lot of these type of programs like genetic testing with different animals, you know, which we know is going on, but we think it's for human consumption. I'm talking weaponry or specialized uh, answers or anything like that. But I'm wondering if we're actually going to be able to see, uh, the, you know, words and paperwork come out eventually regarding the creation of these these really strange creatures i i I, yeah i'm i'm curious about that yeah sharks with freaking lasers who knows bingo (laughs) but but i mean how i mean we uh i'll tell you when when we look at it we can sit there and laugh about sharks with freaking laser beams on their head okay courtesy of austin powers and dr evil but how far how far out is that? We know that the right. government has tested dolphins for the sake of tracking down anything from underwater uh, mines to any type of weaponry in the water. Yeah, we know to that delivering is mines to delivering them as well. I mean, mm-hmm. so, so there's there's a there's precedence for this, Tim. I agree. I agree. And to see a creature like this just kind of washing up on the shores as i believe was the situation with this creature just shows that evidence can leak out um it's unfortunate that we don't have that lingering dna to find out some answers but i can tell you it's probably suspicious and it probably is locked up somewhere but knowing that part of the world and knowing some of the sources that came out about that location i understand that there were miles of underground uh, uh tunneling even underneath that location out there on Montauk. So it doesn't surprise me that there was a lot of underhanded black operations or dealings taking place. Um, And who knows what else? I mean, I believe that there were other mysteries of other creatures from that area. Um, I feel like there was a dogman creature that was also spotted out in Montauk. So um, the tales prevail in a very mysterious area. Request from our chat room because you kind of do look a little like Dr. Evil. Do you, I do. Do you mind doing the pinky on the mouth thing again? Oh, that's nice. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely have that look. Uh, I mean, all all guys with shaved heads have the same look. It's it's a Dr. Evil look. We've come to terms with it. Hey, hey you got to be proud of it. You have to be <laughs> proud of it. It's an open night here on Spaced Out Radio tonight. So if you're in our chat room and you want to join us uh, for an open line, you can click the link that is tagged up there, or you can put any topics or questions in capital letters, and we are going to get to those questions as we scroll down here. So we got about five minutes to go before we have to go to break here at the bottom of the hour here on Spaced Out Radio. Let's go to question number two. This one comes from Christine, and 
the UFO in Turkey in 2008, it looks like it had real beings in it. What's your thoughts? Tim, do you recall this case? I do. And it, so this was a photograph of a craft where you could, in the windows, almost make out what looked like beings standing in them. Um, and if that's a real photograph of what it claims to be, then that could be one of the closest photos we have of beings in the craft. It was an amazing release, and it was almost too good to be true. And so, of course, the skeptic in me um, just wants to tear it apart. But again, I'm very 50-50 because there's a portion of me that just embraces that photograph, and it just goes to its potential. It's so, a great, great uh, piece of evidence. Yeah, so what, what this is, is for people who don't know, this craft is kind of – it's saucer shaped. It looks like your classic flying saucer. And then in the middle of it, it seems to have a cockpit where people claim that they can see the aliens and their, and you know, the shapes of their heads, not make out the faces, but the shapes of their heads. And when uh, people have zoomed in on this, this is one of those photographs that really hasn't been cracked, Tim. This is one that seems to to be standing, excuse me, be standing the test of time with the skeptics first and foremost, you know. Uh, so, I mean, to me, it's a very interesting photograph because I, I, I tend to believe this one's real. I really do believe this one is real and it has the ability to, to, uh, to show that we may not be alone. I'm surprised we haven't got more types of photographs like that, considering how many people have cameras out, how many people have, have their, um, you know, video cameras on their houses and security cameras and their iPhones, their Google phones or whatever it may be. I'm surprised we haven't got more like this. That's right. And if my memory serves me, this was actually video that was, uh, we have the still frame from it, but this was initially, I believe, um, captured by a night watchman and somebody that had quite a bit of credibility to them. So the story holds a lot of weight. I think it is definitely one of the better cases. Me too. Me too. All right, let's move on to another question from our audience here. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. As we're going to continue uh, opening up, this one comes from uh, our good friend Evan as well. He's packing in the questions early on here. Rendlesham Forest, the RAF Bentwaters case. I think there is still, like, where's Nicole Sackage on this? She is like a, a pseudo-expert on this case. I know this is her favorite case overall, but Rendlesham Forest 
is another weird one, Tim, where, you know, I don't think we'll ever get the answers out of whatever happened there, man. Right. I'm looking forward to the film. Um, there's a film coming out. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, unfortunately, but it's still on its way. And um, it's supposed to be um, kind of a start to finish uh, depiction of exactly what took place. A lot of players involved in that sighting and a lot of them, I mean, pretty credible. How could so many people be wrong about their description when they all line up so closely? Um, now I know, I understand um, if you want to dig into it a little bit, there are some different versions and some of the depictions and the descriptions do conflict, but I think that the big takeaway was probably some of the evidence, right, that they have from the drawings and the vocal recordings that were taken at the time when somebody, uh, when the, I guess the initial group of military personnel were walking around the triangle that landed out there in the woods itself, and they were giving a, a description as it was taking place. So let's give an overview of this event, uh, uh, what happened here. So this happened in Suffolk, England, in the Rendlesham Forest back in December of 1980, sometime around Christmas time. And there are claims that both the United States Air Force and British military personnel eyewitnessed a UFO landing and lighting up the forest. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, who was the deputy uh, base commander, claimed that... Uh, to see things that even described a UFO sighting and the UK ministry of defense stated that apparently there was no threat to national security. Therefore it was never investigated as a security matter, but this happened the day after Christmas and we will get into the Rendlesham forest case. When we return on spaced out radio, it's a free for all with our audience tonight. If you have any questions and if you're in our chat rooms, just be sure to Answer along, put your questions in capital letters. That way we will be able to answer them. And I'm going to say, hey, stick around. It's a fun night here. We're joined by Tim Senor. We have Dirty Filth drawing some beautiful art once again. And we will continue your questions all night long. We don't do it often, but when we get the opportunity, we love to be able to share that time with you, our beautiful audience here on Spaced Out Radio. We continue with the second half hour right after this. All right, we're clear. I'm going to grab some water. Yeah, not a problem. Hey, Dirty Filth, did you get my uh, my message? Your message. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you want me to like email them or something? No, I, I I'm kind of busy here. You know, if you don't mind. No, I I meant do you want do you want me to email him? Because I already I already told him that we're proceeding forward. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, just uh, email him back and uh, just say I got his message and uh, I mean I can't obviously listen to it right now, but um, you know we'll work something out for the future. Okay. Sounds good, mister. I can do that. All right.
that's been changed. I know I haven't had a chance to say hello to everybody in the chat room tonight uh, just yet, but uh, we will um, uh, we will uh, try and get the, all through these uh, questions. Please put your questions in capital letters. Um, if you want to join us, the link is posted at the top, and we can go from there. I'm surprised. I'm not seeing many questions from you guys. I really am not. My audience, Tim, is so used to not having open lines that they, uh, <laughs> they, they right? They they don't. They're not of, used to having to be involved. Yeah, I know. It's it's uh, kind of hilarious sometimes. That's great. Allie, we are lost. Oh, well. It's warm in here. Yeah, I'm pretty toasty in my uh, understairs office as well, actually. It was 90 here in Oregon today. 90? Wow. Yeah. All right, we got like 20 seconds. Space Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to uh, Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire, and check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok 
at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with an open line to our audience. The questions are coming on in, and I got Tim Senor here to bounce them all off. Dirty Filth is down below on our camera side, painting some incredible strange art because he is the best at what he does, and we love him for it. So, Tim, welcome back. Really appreciate you joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. We very much appreciate you coming on in and uh, hanging out with us. So let's get right to it uh, with the questions from the audience. And we were talking about Rendlesham Forest right before the break. And, and this is a case that happened December 26, 1980, where a UFO allegedly landed at a military base in the forest. And this is going back to where certain people at RAF Bentwaters claim to have touched the craft. They claim that some people claim that they actually got a download of some sort of binary type of, of mathematic code. I mean, this one definitely needs a hell of a lot more research. And the mili- it's one of those cases, Tim, where I believe the military knows much more than what they've ever, ever let on. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this is one of the cases that could have easily gotten buried if it hadn't been for a few people that wouldn't let it go and that perhaps weren't covered by any NDAs or um, any kind of uh, disclosure control. And so over the years, it's been definitely one of those overflowing with information and, you know, cases that um, I think for everyone kind of holds more questions than answers. I know for a couple of the players, for example, Larry Warren, he's taken people back a few times to the location and actually walked them through the series of events that he personally went through. It's a very compelling case. Well, Media Fox is just asking, what about Larry Warren? What about him? You know, why is he important? Yeah. Well, I think he's important because he was actually out in the field where the landing supposedly took place. So, um, I'm not sure if this was on a second night or later that night. Unfortunately, the details are a little fuzzy for me, um, being um, you know not much of a historian. But um, my understanding is that he actually witnessed perhaps figures that came out of a potential craft, and there could have been an interaction. He claims that there was film, you know, that was rolling during this interaction. Um, I look forward to the movie that's coming out. Um, you know, that's going to take us through and i believe his perspective i believe he's a key player in the making of the film so i'll have to look through my phone to find the name of this movie but i know it was supposed to be released and then got pushed back for one reason or another but um definitely i know for people that consider themselves in the know as a historian in ufology this is one of those big big cases that kind of sticks with them as something extremely credible with a lot of credible players, um, maybe if not the best case. Well, definitely, and and the fact that there is testimony and on the record that people touched the craft, they were able to walk up to it, and that they were able to, you know, almost get zapped by this thing, you know, with mathematical equations and and everything that kind of goes along with that. It, it's very interesting to see how that that plays out. In the end with everything, man, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. The name of the film that is to be released at this point with a, uh, an unreleased date uh, is called Capel Green, 
which I believe is uh, the name of the location where the craft supposedly landed from Larry Warren's point of view. So uh, hopefully it gets released soon. I know it's definitely been in production. I've seen some stills. Uh, so Capel Green is on the horizon. It'll be a good one to look out for. All right, let's move on here uh, in our chat room. You know, Bob Lazar is a good topic as well. Travis Walton, what's your what's your stance on on both of these cases? Let's get into it. Oh man, Travis Walton is what is my favorite personally, um, just because he has been so transparent with his story. He's always been willing to talk to people about it. Um, I feel like if if you you know, and his story has never changed. And if you have something to hide, typically that's not what you do. Uh, and uh, so I think also the huge amount of evidence that was collected as far as the police report and them, um, you know, talking about it the way they did. I, I think that there is a, a lot to be said for some of the other players involved. I mean, I, what was it? Five, five guys uh, in total on that, in that truck out there in the woods, that's a lot of people to be making up a story that they eventually corroborated with lie detector tests individually, with the exception, I believe of Dallas who um, was inconclusive simply because he was a, a nervous about taking the, the test. So tons of corroborating evidence. And then of course you have Travis Walton himself. Um, the recent documentary called Travis itself uh, by Jennifer Stein, I must say, was a great piece of work. Uh, that film in particular really hit it home for me that um, this group of men definitely experienced something out in the woods. You know, there, there's a lot of credibility to somebody coming on camera and um, telling the world that truth. And that story never really faltering. I, I know there's been different pressures on those guys throughout history to have a different story. But it seems like the turnout is that these events really took place. And what a story. Well, recently, though, Mike Rogers, who seems to be the the partner scorned through this entire right. thing, uh, last year got in a, a bitter public fight with Travis when he said that he was no longer an eyewitness, going to be counted as an eyewitness to the Travis Walton affair because... Well, we learned it came down to money. It came down to money, and over the years, Mike Rogers has been very, very adamant that he never got his cut of the pie. And for Mike, it's all it seems, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is my opinion, that it has all come down to money with him. And that and popularity that everybody wants Travis. Travis gets to go to all of the conferences. Travis gets the book deal. Travis gets all the documentaries. Travis gets the movies. Everything's focused on Travis. And nothing is focused on the the other guys, especially Mike, who are in the 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 realm of what happened. They were all there. Right. And yeah. in, in some ways I feel sorry for Mike because I think this traumatized him too. And nobody, yeah. nobody has ever focused on Mike, Mike Rogers side of the incident. It's always been about Travis because Travis is the story. 
Let's face it. Yeah. He he right. wa- he walked up to the craft. He got zapped by it. He disappeared for five days. Came back. He was naked at the phone booth. The phone booths are still in Snowflake as a tourism attraction. The you know he gets Oprah. He gets. Uh, all the television shows, he gets all the interviews, and Mike Rogers is the secondary figure. And I could just imagine, you know, and I don't, you know, I didn't like the way Mike Rogers did it publicly by trying to all of a sudden say, I'm no longer going to be an eyewitness to this because I'm mad. But I understand his hurt. I understand his pain looking at it from his side saying, what about us? What about the other six? Because there were six others in that truck. There was a crew of seven. Okay. The movie seven. the movie only showed six, but there was a crew of mm-hmm. seven that were actually in that truck. And the other six have kind of been rightfully or wrongfully ignored the last 40 years. Yeah, yeah. You've got to see Jennifer Stein's documentary, Travis named Travis um, because it does show some of the perspectives of the other players. And here's the thing, Dave, you brought up the best point at all about this case in particular is that the other players other than Travis make the case because without them, there would be no Travis Walton uh, case. Really. Um, There would have just been a man that was missing and then came back with a story. But instead, we have the other players that completely corroborate and completely are the missing pieces in the story. And let's not forget the trauma that these men went through while their friend was missing. They all knew the truth, and yet were being accused of something incredible, incredible crimes. What stress they had to go through, I can't even imagine. And the families involved. And so this was probably a major, major event. And so for these men to feel left out of the story throughout their life, doesn't surprise me at all. I can absolutely feel their pain um, and um, what they must have gone through in coordination with Travis. I mean, not obviously to this necessarily the same extent as Travis because the event took place because of him, right? Because he got out of the vehicle and approached this saucer. Um, and so I think, you know, you're absolutely right. All of the players are equally important in this case in particular just because there were so many working parts that needed to be collaborated and corroborated. And so you're absolutely right. Um, We can't forget uh, Mike Rogers and the rest of the team, Dallas and and all the other people that were there. They're absolutely part of the story. Well, as Walt Corbett in the chat room says, they were being accused of murder, you know, and that's that's tough. That is, that is a very, very tough thing for anybody to go through. I would not want to go through that. I know many of you out there would not want to go through uh, with the fact that the rest of that uh, crew of Mike Rogers was accused of murder. And the police didn't believe them what happened. Even though they had passed polygraph tests, they had passed, uh, answered all the questions as honestly as possible. I mean, we also have to remember, we're looking at this, a lot of us are looking at this from Travis's standpoint. We haven't really focused on the other standpoints, and there's six of them, regarding this case. And what it did to them. 
It broke up families. It 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 brought in a lot of alcoholism and drug use. It it uh, you know turned people into into like in the case of Dallas, it turned him into an introvert more than he was already introverted. He didn't want anything to do with society anymore. These men have lived scared because of this. Their entire. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. Don't let mosquitoes suck away your summer. Time to call in Skeeter Hawk, a naturally fierce mosquito defense for personal patio, perimeter, and portable protection. Like a hawk. Skeeter-Hawk.com lives and and people like us for the most part do not seem to remember or understand the the frag, fragility of humanity when you go through something this traumatic and the PTSD that goes along with it <clears throat> you bring up a great point and so um I will because this is right really why I'm involved and so it's really the thing that I would consider myself an expert on as far as this. If anyone is an expert, um, I would say the psychology aspects that are linked to um, having an experience like this. Um, I would say that there's a few threads that you see weaving through most cases, um, and that is the PTSD that people go through and the hard time they have in recollection sometimes of the events. And I know for me personally, um, it's hard just to go through the events of my sighting. And that was nothing as up close and personal as what Travis went through, of course, but still just having um, your paradigm changed um, and being forced um, to see something that you're not choosing to see or experience in Travis's case leaves a, a lasting mark on our psyche. And, and it's something that you can't plan for. And all you can do is attempt to remedy by talking about it um, and finding um, other people that are like-minded that are going through the same sort of thing. Um, they're starting to link real disorders with having witnessed something like this. Some people completely disassociate themselves with the, uh, with the experience itself and um, I know, so I had f nine family members in my case, and I know of two of them that really try to explain this away still to this day. Um, and I know that they're having repercussions from it in their dreams or perhaps in their thoughts or memories. But for whatever reason or another, they're putting it in a box, locking it away and disassociating themselves from it. So to imagine what Travis went through with his uh, experience and then having to go through that, that's a whole new level of trauma um, that I'm sure most of us um, would never have the capacity to deal with. And so people like yourself or Travis that have these up close and personal experiences, there's a level of trauma that's linked with that. And so this is a real thing that is starting to be looked at by psychologists and psychiatrists. Well, let's shift topics here for a second, because the other controversial one is Bob Lazar. And there's a lot of people out there who do not believe Bob Lazar, one iota, 
on whether or not he worked at Area 51. I tend to believe that he did. And I will give my reasoning on this. And I know it's going to it's gonna probably set the chat room off here. But the reason right. why I believe the Bob Lazar story is because of one reason. And that is uh, Las Vegas television station, Channel 8, KLAS. They have never retracted the story. And for a media outlet, a lot of people, this is where I believe George Knapp and I believe his research. Because, look, a lot of people may not be uh, fans of George Knapp. I am. Uh, I think he is a high-quality uh, investigative journalist, which are, are rare in today's, in today's uh, um, circles. And yes, we do have Team Lazar t-shirts on our store and our website, just for putting that out there. But, but this is why I believe it. KLAS television has never retracted the story. George Knapp, what a lot of people don't understand is the way a newsroom works. And at that time, he was doing a Sunday show about news going on in the area. And he needed a guest. And John Lear proposed to him talking to a guy named Dennis, who ended up being Bob Lazar as an alias. And they had to do some research. You just can't throw somebody on air to tell an opinionated story because it can get you in trouble. It could get you in trouble legally, especially when you're dealing with black projects out at Area 51, which everybody knew at the time was out there, but nobody really talked about Dreamland back then. It wasn't a real hot-button topic until Lazar. And... In order to get that story on the air, Knapp, this is how these conversations happen with with a news director. You go up to your news director and you say, hey, I have a story. It may be a little off base from what we are touching, but I got this guy who says he worked at Area 51 and he worked on spaceships inside of a, a base called S4. And it sounds really sci-fi, but uh, my source, uh, I trust. And the news director would have said, or the program director would have said, before you run this story, we need other people to corroborate this. Do we have any other names? And George Knapp had eight to ten other names that he talked to people about Bob Lazar to get confirmation. And a couple of them were going to come on the air until they got shut down and basically threatened with their lives, their families, their finances, their future. And then they said, yeah, no, I'm not going to be doing this. If there is a mistake in the media, the media has to correct it. And... This is where, I mean, sure, in today's 21st century media, we don't see a lot of that anymore. But going back in time, the the media used to be actually quite responsible, shall we say. And they ran the story. And they kept running the story. It ended up being the most popular story that that station has ever ran. 
Now, Knapp had been at his job at that point for eight years. He was a respected reporter with KLAS. And you know what? To this day, you want to fire somebody up, just say Bob Lazar. But I believe Lazar worked there. Look, there are questions that I have. His education. It's easy to say, well, they snuffed out my degrees. It's easy to say that uh, they snuffed out other stuff. And Knapp will say that. Knapp will say that you got to pick and choose what you believe about what Bob Lazar says. I mean, we're not going all full circle like somebody uh, who, like Jeremy Corbell, who made a, a movie on it. Whether you liked it or not, that's up to you to choose. Okay. But we didn't go all in with him. Knapp never went all in with him. It just happened to be a story that he he pulled. So, you know, to this day, it the Lazar story, I mean, that's as, that's as a, a wicked and broken down a story, much like the Zapruder film of the JFK assassination, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> here's the thing, Dave, and, and I'm going to be straight with you. I don't usually give a real hard opinion on things because I usually don't know a lot about stuff to be completely honest. So I don't have an opinion, but on this one, I feel like maybe, you know, I I can stand on one foot at least and say, I personally 100% believe Bob Lazar. And I've got two solid pieces of evidence or my reasons. Let's just call it my pieces of evidence as to why I believe everything that he says, not just bits and pieces, but everything. Um, and I'll give you the soft reason first. And, and that is just simply that he came out and, re- and told us how he regretted how he handled things. He wishes he could still work there, but he got too excited in his boyish exuberance and he released you know, information to his friends and was like all excited to go up there and see these things and show them. And so he has regret over how he handled this. I feel like that is very telling. And so for me, coming from a little bit of a psychology background, that is extremely telling. And so that's one reason why I believe when Bob tells me the things he tells me. And he also comes out so infrequently. And when he does, it obviously causes him a lot of stress because this topic has been nothing but a noose around his neck since he came out with it. Um, And obviously to hear him talk, this is a very intelligent man. Whether he spent time at MIT or not, I think is irrelevant. Because all you need to do is have a conversation or listen to what he has to say. And you know that this is a man of value and of, of um, credibility as to where he's getting his education, right? I would say he's probably spent his time um, in a lab, you know, and he still does. But the real gold nugget for why I believe Bob Lazar is I know his list of group and his friends, right? I know his list of friends. So George Knapp, extremely credible. Um, uh, uh, John Lear, extremely credible. Um, And, you know, a close personal friend of mine recently is James Goodall. And to know that those two hung out together and have lots of experiences together lends a lot of credibility to that and his relationship being real. And here's the big gold nugget that was released to me through James Goodall is that he stood in the same room as Bob Lazar while he revealed a piece of element 115 to him. So this is, this is no longer just Bob Lazar saying he 
See, was I, in the presence of element 115. I don't buy the 115, dude. I don't buy but it. James Goodall's I, seen it. How did he He's been there in the, the same. How did he Bob Lazar claimed to have stolen it. How there. did he smuggle and that was the story. There's only one way he could have got that out. One and way. I think that's how he did it. Well, we'll see. I think that's how he probably did it. We're down <laughs> one hour here on Spaced Out Radio. Tim Sinor from the UFO Report is here with us. And we are taking audience questions all night long. It's very interesting to see where tonight is going to go. We rarely do this, but tonight it's a special night. The audience has its say on Spaced Out Radio. We continue with hour number two and your questions when we return. All right, we're clear. Fun stuff. All right, uh, Dirty Filth, take us away, buddy. Uh, you can turn your microphone on. Tim and I will be right back. Turn my microphone on because you'll hear my cheesy music. I guess I can mute it. Oh, weirdos in the chat room. Stuck with me for the next six minutes. Can't tell you what this drawing is going to be because then that'd be spoilers and you'd go to bed and you wouldn't stick around, so... Now, if anybody's wondering what Dirty Filth is thinking about Bob Lazar, I I can't discredit anybody's anything for any story or whatever they tell you because it's it's their story and seems to be a pretty credible guy. I haven't really done any research into it. I'm too busy reading fantasy novels and drawing cartoons, so... But from the stuff that I have read and have learned about, uh, seems fairly credible. I mean, but at the same time, pretty sure if they just wanted to, like, shoot the guy. They, if they can kill a president, they can kill Bob Lazar. If they killed their own president. I don't know. But nonetheless, I just think it's interesting. It's always a good subject to bring up when I meet new people that I've never really met before like oh hey Trudy Filth how's it going I'm like oh I draw cartoons and junk for a website and then it eventually goes to you heard of aliens and UFOs and Sasquatch and then first it's it's almost like people always have some kind of story they're like you know I was camping one time and I swear I seen this weird light like tell me more about it and then next thing you know Strangers talking about seeing a UFO or something. Or Sasquatch. I have a friend that, I think I've said this a million times, I'd like to look into it. It makes no sense because there's nothing near it, but near Star, Alberta. I think it's Star with two R's. Her and her sister were at home, and there was a massive clunk on the wall of the house which was also apparently haunted, how convenient. And they said that when they went down, like her mom, their mom and dad were gone to the town. And when they went and looked outside, from what she told me, there was two albino Sasquatch walking down their driveway. One was an adult and one was a 
a younger Sasquatch. So, I don't know. It's pretty weird. And, you know, you know people for 20, 30 years and they never tell you this kind of stuff. And when you start bringing up aliens and Sasquatch and little fairies and junk like that, I don't know. Pretty credible. Can't see otherwise, but it's starting to make sense here. Oh, you can kind of see what it's saying. Oh, yeah. Well, clearly it's a spaced up radio drawing. I hope my microphone is working. Otherwise, it'd just be another hour and a half of like yesterday. I did some cartoons and I did some art cards and I was blathering away. Forgot to put forgot to push the mute button off and sat there the whole time and but nonetheless we're almost done here this little bit of purple action have to get a little bit closer with some blue old sasquatch I've never seen a sasquatch or anything like that one time I went camping and hauled all of the RPG equipment out into the tent and out by Wobman, Wobman Lake in Alberta. And we were rolling some dice and we could hear something wandering around in the forest around us. It was kind of creepy. It had this like weird predator-like clicking good, sound to filth. it. Pardon, Dave? I was just telling telling people the weird predator sound. We heard we were playing RPGs one time in the forest. That's why you're the dirty filth, man. Yeah. Freaking awesome. Oh, you can kind of see what it is now. Oh, it's something to do with We Own the Night. I got that part. I got that part. See, it's like you got to stick around because you got to see what happens at the end, right? Well, that's that's why we bring you on, dude. No calling it quits. No way, man. Luckily, I don't sleep very much anyways. I'm basically a vampire. Oops. Well, hey, everybody's got their thing, man. You're a vampire. And uh, Tim's Dr. Evil. And uh, we know Jonathan Davies over in the UK literally has autographed pictures of Nick Pope all over his office. pair of signed underwear too probably oh uh, guaranteed <laughs> guaranteed nick pope and his brillo pad hairdo are literally strewn across jonathan davies office okay. you're listening to spaced out radio with dave scott follow dave on twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook's Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio. 
is underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. I don't know what this is. Acerology or Acerology? I'm going to say Acerology is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We've opened up the questions to the audience tonight as we are Joined by Tim Senor from the UFO Report and Disclosure Tonight from Thomas Fessler's channel. And Dirty Filth is drawing some art on our YouTube channel that we can all witness as well. His beautiful creation. Tim, welcome back. Thanks very much, Dave. Great to be here. All right, let's get right to it, my friend. Right before the break, we were getting into a big debate about Bob Lazar. But we're going to continue on here. Donna has a question. She is asking, mm. what do you know about the L.A. area lizard creatures? Oh, good conspiracy here. So apparently throughout L.A., in the undergrounds, in the waterways, hidden in underground tunnels, there is lizard people who control everything. They can disguise themselves as humans. They can disguise themselves. People say they're part of Hollywood. People say they're part of the music industry. Uh, and it's all about control. What What's your thoughts about this conspiracy, my friend? I mean, anything is possible. I loved that show from the 80s called V. Yes. Remember the lizard people um, that, uh, you know, that intrigues me. Where did they get the idea for that? Well, maybe it was from the L.A. area lizard creatures. Who knows? Um, do I want to believe it's true? No. <laughs> That's terrifying to think that. But um, it wouldn't surprise me in this day and age. Um, but, you know, my question is, where would their origin be? Are, are these like the reptilians from beneath the crust of the earth? Or are these just resident aliens? Well, let's have a little bit of a go here. This is on LAalmanac.com. In 1933, mm. mining engineer George Warren Schufeld related stories told to him of Hopi legends describing a race of lizard people, not reptilian, but so named for the reference of the lizard, who 5,000 years ago built three great underground cities near the Pacific coast, including one beneath... I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. What, I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. Ew. 
Is that bug spray? Maybe it's time we call in the hawk. The what? Skeeter Hawk, a full line of mosquito protection products for complete mosquito defense. Okay, and, and it's safe? Yes, it's all natural with no harmful chemicals. Natural? Is it effective? Absolutely. Now you can protect your family without compromise. That does sound nice. It's naturally fierce. Oh, my. Like a hawk with Skeeter Hawk. Find your defense system at skeeter-hawk.com. Los Angeles. The cities were said to have been built underground as protection against great cataclysmic fires on the surface. Schufeld took up the cause of locating the city beneath L.A. He reported that this underground city was laid out in the shape of the revered lizard extending from its head under northwest Los, or northeast Los Angeles to its tail under the downtown central library. The ancient builders purportedly more advanced intellectually than modern humans tunneled through rocks using chemicals and constructed huge domed caverns housing a thousand families. The underground city was further connected by a series of additional tunnels to the ocean where the ebb and flow of seawater forced air into the labyrinths. However, their civilization allegedly came to an end and it seems a little bit unclear how. So this is kind of a cool story about this, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder how they source their information because it's so intriguing. Truth. Absolute truth. Nice squeaky door there. Do we have a kid coming in? Um, that's just the mysteries of the living, you know, under the stairs. Who knows what's happening you, around here? You, Creaky you've got noises, ghosts. ghosts. You've got, Who knows? You've got ghosts. So according to the Hopis, the Hopi legends, there's a difference between the reptilians from space and the lizard people of Earth. Very interesting. All right, let's move that on to sense. a different question. This one comes from Radiohead. What do you guys think about the Admiral Bird encounter in Antarctica? Why does it not get the attention of other cases? Tim? Right, such a credible person having such an incredible story. It's it's tough. Uh, you know, this the big hole at the top of the planet. And, you know, I'm sorry, now correct me if I'm wrong. Was this a North Pole? South Pole. Or was this a South Pole? Okay, a South Pole excursion. Okay, well, I, br I know that the broad sweep of the story, and I, I definitely know who Admiral Byrd was. Um, and so his credibility lends a lot of credence to this. However, the, in, the internal earth and the, you know, all of the descriptions that he gave of the inside of the earth ooh, make it really hard. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on this one. See, I, the whole South Africa or South Africa, uh, the South Pole uh, action there, it really really baffles me in some sense i'm very intrigued because there is such mystery around surrounding antarctica but in other ways i am i think a lot of it is conspiracy i think it's something that we want to believe happened because there's not a lot of news that comes out of antarctica now did he have an encounter with aliens I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, some people believe that he did. 
and some people believe that he saw things there that could really change entire uh, lifetimes of information. Others believe yeah. that it was all the World War II type of uh, in, of of mission. You know, hmm. does it deal with aliens? Does it deal with reptilians? Is there um, uh, an alien base there? I really don't know. And, you know, er- anything that I say on this topic is going to be, you know, subject of opinion and not fact, because we don't have a lot of facts going on with this. Right. And the few excursions that we have there uh, don't yield a lot of information. And there are controlled airspace areas there as well. So does that lead credence to the potential of secret bases? Absolutely. Um, And we get all kinds of reports of people that go up there and have incredible experiences up there with lights in the skies and craft. And so we can't discount every bit of information just because we don't like it. Um, The hollow earth theory is a really tough one for me. And so to have Admiral Byrd come with that kind of information is a lot. Um, I don't know if it's so much conspiracy as perhaps, um, you know, um, embellishment on an otherwise, uh, you know, a war story, if you will, an embellishment on a, on something, perhaps. I don't know. But um, it does definitely feel a little bit hard to believe that there's jungle-like uh, environments under there with uh, underneath the crust of our Earth that house aliens. Um, some of those stories are really hard to imagine flying a plane into the, a hole in the earth and um, experience all that from the air. Sounds a little bit hard to believe. It is hard to believe. Let's just be truthful on that. All right, let's move on. Uh, Dirty Filth wants to know, what is your number one Sasquatch story? Mine would be the case that that recently Jessica Jones from our Off the Trails did some remote viewing on, which is the Albert Ostman story here in British Columbia, where the prospector going out to look for gold and other minerals in central British Columbia along the coastline was allegedly kidnapped for almost a week by a family of Sasquatch. And this story happened in the 1930s, and Ostman was carried off one night in his uh, sleeping bag, and he carried in, at the bottom of his sleeping bag. He had put a bunch of his supplies, and he slept with his rifle just in case any bears or or wild or wild cats or anything tried to get him at night. Well, this Sasquatch picked him up, threw him over his shoulder. He could, it was at night; he couldn't see where he was going. And then when he got around the family of Sasquatch, it was a big mom, a dad even bigger, and to uh, children Sasquatch. And they tried to feed him. They never tried to harm him, uh, although they would not let him leave for whatever reason. It was like he had become their pet. And eventually, knowing that his rendezvous boat was going to be picking him up in a few days, he started planning his escape. And one of the things that the uh, the a big male Sasquatch allegedly took an affinity to was his can of snuff. So on the final day before he was to escape, knowing what time his boat would be coming by, uh, Osman had fed the can of snuff to the Sasquatch, who got violently ill, 
and that's where he decided to make a break for it with his rifle, leaving everything there, and as one of them started giving chase, he allegedly fired and shot one of the Sasquatch, running down, but he was still being chased, and because the, the bigger one was sick, he may have shot the mother, we don't know, and he ran back down towards the water, using his compass to where he his coordinates were, and as he was loading the boat and and getting on the boat and getting out of there to safety, the Sasquatch was seen throwing a tantrum on the shore that he had got away. That is my favorite Sasquatch story. And nobody believed him. As per usual, everybody thought it was just another prospector who'd spent too much alone time out in the woods and had lost his mind, but he stayed steadfast about that story right until his death. That is my favorite Sasquatch story. That's great. That's great. I, I mean, you can't beat that. I think I've heard that story a number of times, and I'm not really a, a Bigfoot person, but that is a great story. Um, my personal favorite has to be um, how the Sierra sounds were collected by Ron Moorhead and Al Berry. Um, and I unfortunately don't like know the, all the details. All I've done is really listen to them tell their story. Um, are you familiar with how they, would you mind telling it on my behalf? Yeah, not a problem. So they had been camping in this area and they'd heart started hearing strange sounds and they believed uh, at least, uh, this is before Alberry got Alberry, right. Uh, was the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. Before he started coming up, Alberry was a, was a journalist and a reporter and he knew Ronald Moorhead and Moorhead kind of kept him in secret where they were going to this primal location up in the Sierra Nevadas in California. And they ended up, that night being surrounded by these creatures, which were hooting and hollering and, and talking what, what was called samurai chatter. Uh, you know, a lot of people will not, don't like that term, but that's the term that's used for it. And it, you could hear them talking and wood knocking and, and that they had surrounded this campsite. And all of these people who were at the campsite were in this lean-to that had been tied around this tree. So they were kind of hiding from these creatures. But they had seen orbs, colored orbs, ripping through their campsite. They had heard the noises. Uh, they had seen footprints. Uh, some even claimed that the footprints were happening without anybody being uh, or anything being seen making them at that time. And that's where the legend of the Sierra Sounds came. Now, me personally... What scared me is in 2018, my buddy Merle and I actually had samurai chatter happening in the forest here in British Columbia. And I didn't put two and two together until eight months later when I replayed the Sierra sounds and heard exactly what we heard in the forest that day of one of the Sasquatch chatting to us. Is it? And it's a sound that's kind of hello. It's more like anything this. else. It's more like this. That's what it sounds like. Nothing else sounds like that. I mean, nothing. How, how could you mistake that for something else? Well, in our area, there was one way in and one way out, and we eventually got pushed out. And 
you know, it's easy to say whether it's the Sierra sounds, whether it's what Merle and I experienced. Okay. It's easy to say, well, it's people, somebody playing a trick on you in the forest. But when you are in a desolate part of the forest, most people out there don't understand how wild an area North America is. We are used to our concrete jungles, our suburbs, our local parks that may go on for 10 acres, 5 acres, 50 acres. We're not used to the open forest. I can take you into my area where you can see a vehicle pass you on the logging roads, and that's the last time you ever see that vehicle. Right. And when you right. and when you go into areas that only have one entrance and one exit and it's the same one, you know if there's people around. You know if there's other yeah. vehicles. You know the trail Dave, you systems. Br- you brought up a great point and an aspect of this um this sighting that and this these recordings that I think is really great. And you mentioned orbs being connected with this sighting in particular. Um, What do you feel the connection is potentially with Bigfoot and orbs? And do you think that the orbs then potentially and Bigfoot are connected to UFO? Good question. I think that this is where you, you get a little bit woo. And you, and I really think that, that, there is something special about these creatures. It could be supernatural. It could be something that we can't define. It could be something that they are transforming to. The more and more I look at stories, the more or the less and less I believe that this is strictly flesh and blood. There's too many experiences people have out there in the bush or at in the back of their houses or or wherever where things just happen things just appear and then disappear and reappear footprints for instance i mean sasquatch i mean we, you've heard us talk about this on the show before why are 90% of the sasquatch prints shown that it's only a single print and they all seem to be right-footed the majority of them. That's interesting. Why? Why do you? Do you get, think they only have right feet? Why do you, no? No, because you would still see a right foot, right foot, right foot. You're not seeing that. You're seeing one right foot print. Mm-hmm. The print that we casted this year is a right foot. You know, uh, the it, it's it's weird. Every print we've found in our area has been right footed. The 18-inch print, the 15-inch print, and now the 13-inch print. All right feet. Yeah. There's so much research now circling in on it. Do you think that we're going to get some DNA, actually? Do you think this is enough flesh and blood of a thing to actually get that DNA eventually? I, I, already, I already think we have the DNA. I don't think science wants to do anything with it. That's just me. Look, there's a lot, Tim, there's a lot to lose in proving Sasquatch. Okay? There's a lot to lose. There's a lot of money, millions upon millions upon millions of dollars lost in 
forestry, tourism, mining, camping. All right. There's, right. there's a lot that goes on with this, man. I mean, you think about it. I mean, how do tracks all of a sudden just stop? All right, you'll see. You'll right, see. and I was actually going to ask about that. Do you, and so, I mean, I feel like portals are a, a potential real thing that exists, like naturally, and potentially we can create them artificially. You know, that's a big wide sweep right there. But if we're talking woo, would it be potential that, you know, these creatures are, you know, utilizing natural portals or they have the ability to perhaps slip in and out? of whatever our stream is of consciousness. I don't know. That's a stretch, right? But it feels like you have to go there to be able to explain some of this. Do you think portals is, is in there in the realm? Could be. I, I, I'm not ruling it out. I'm not ruling it out whatsoever. Right. We don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. That's the trouble that we have. Okay, we we have people who claim that they have seen Sasquatch with aliens. We've have people who say that paranormal things have happened with Sasquatch. We've had people who say Sasquatch vanished right in front of them. That's that's paranormal. And you know, unfortunately, we cannot trust the BFRO, the Bigfoot Research Organization, because they have self-admitted to doxing and then changing reports to fit their narrative. And if it has right, anything right. to do with the, if it has anything to do with the woo, they won't run it or they will edit the woo out. So you can't even right. trust the biggest organization for reports on this. And and before we change subjects, I would love to just throw this in there because I'm a big fan of Les Stroud and um, his independent filmmaking that he does on his own out in nature. And I know he covered Bigfoot on a series for quite a while and went up to Nordag and a few other places, but he incorporated the help of Todd Standing at some point in his documentary work. And so Todd Standing is a little bit um, controversial, I guess. He's the Bob Lazar of Bigfoots. And so, or Big, is that it? Bigfoots? Bigfoot. Uh, thank you. Uh, and so he, yeah, so he's the Bob Lazar of, of Bigfoots. And so where do you stand on Todd's standing? Well, with about a minute to go, I'm not a fan of his. I am. I think that he has done a lot to promote himself rather than the creature. Uh, I think he's made the story about him, which is something I don't really agree with. And I, Todd needs to realize that it's not about him. It's it's about proving the existence of a creature that could possibly exist. And until we we take the ego out of it, we're not solving anything. And unfortunately, I think Todd's ego is a little bit bigger than Sasquatch. And I hate to put it that way, but that's just my opinion on it. And uh, Donnie's yeah. asking, has anybody ever took, taken a Japanese speaker out to go look for Sasquatch? Uh, as far as I know, people that I know have not. You know, they have not. So maybe that's something that needs to be tried. There, There's so many different things that should be tried. Maybe that's something that does. And maybe that's something we yeah. will try. Uh, hold on right there, Tim. We're at the bottom of the hour here on Spaced Out Radio. Another half hour flying on by as we try and get through more audience questions 
on a free-for-all night on Spaced Out Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back with more Spaced Out Radio when we return on the Mighty SOR. We is clear. I have enough questions for tonight. Uh, We'll try and uh, get uh, through a bunch more of them. And uh, we will, uh, if you don't hear your question get through, I do apologize. We will do our best in order. But I got like 19 questions and about 30 minutes to get through 19 questions. You can do it. Hey, Zen One, if you're still in the chat room... Zen one, uh, I have sent you a, a DM on Twitter. Are you going to check their parking too, Dave? Don't I, be cheap now. No, I will check their parking. I will validate parking. Anybody who parks outside SOR headquarters, your your parking will be validated. Just so you know, you may get towed in certain areas, especially if you if you park on my grass. But if you're in the park, if you're in the driveway or the parking area, uh, you will not get towed, and your parking will get validated. Uh, no, I do not bring taco uh, taco ingredients out to meet Sasquatch. Those are for me. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. Is that bug spray? Maybe it's time we call in the hawk. The what? Skeeter Hawk, a full line of mosquito protection products for complete mosquito defense. Okay, and and it's safe? Yes, it's all natural with no harmful chemicals. Natural? Is it effective? Absolutely. Now you can protect your family without compromise. That does sound nice. It's naturally fierce. Oh, my. Like a hawk with Skeeter Hawk. Find your defense system at skeeter-hawk.com. Let's see, uh, let, Tim. Let's try and get through, if you don't mind, a few more of these questions while we're on the radio break here. If, are you cool with that? Of course. 
All right. Uh, Julie wants to know, what do you think about John Alexander pointing out Eric Davis during the SEU thing? I think it's personally a classic John Alexander who doesn't give a crap, and he just says what's on his mind. And outing Eric Davis, I think, put a a giant, giant asterisk uh, beside the falsity of the story and making it more credible as it goes into uh, eyewitness testimony uh, in congressional hearings. What do you think, Tim? This is um, something I'm going to have to research. I don't know enough to give a good answer here. Not a problem. That's a good, solid answer right there. Uh, Downshift wants to know about paranormal encounters in the forests. Uh, They happen all the time. All the time. There are certain places we go in our town where when we enter the forest, it is heavy and draining. And like when we uh, go to the crash site out in our area where 52 people died in 1965, when like when we were there just a week ago, it was the energy was so heavy there. We were all three of us that all four of us that were there were getting headaches and feeling dizzy at the same time. It was just oh yeah oh yeah. Nature lets you know. That's one thing about nature; it always lets you know. Yeah, I just recently came back from the Uinta Basin, and um, just. As you're heading up there, you start to feel the energy, and then you feel it dissipate when you leave. And it's not not just the elevation. There's something about certain places. You just sense that energy. You're so right. Oh, I fully agree. Fully agree. And let's see here. Let's uh, move on to a different question. Uh, Dave, have you ever heard of Bill Tompkins? Yes. I, Travis, I'm going to dodge that question for tonight because I'm not... I know his work, but I'm not familiar enough with it to make a comment. So I do apologize on that. Uh, our, okay, we'll start off with Holly because we only got about 35 seconds here. And uh, we'll start off with Holly's question and go from there. Thirty seconds. Thank you tonight to Donnie, Noble Patrick, and Thomas for the super chats. Super chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much for the love and support. We appreciate it. And uh, tomorrow night on the show, who will join us? Barry Littlin, Littleton, pardon me. Dinosaurs and time travel tomorrow night on the show. Here we go, everyone. the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. My name is Dave Scott, host sitting at SOR headquarters. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, 
Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with open lines, open questions to the audience tonight as we are hanging on out, taking your questions, something we don't do very often here on the show. I am joined by Tim Sooner from the UFO Report. And Tim, welcome back. And we're going to start off with a question from Holly here. Are you expecting much information from the Brazil UAP hearings? Me personally, I think we could. I think it's very interesting that they are going to be interviewing Luis Elizondo as well as uh, uh, Robert Salas, who was an eyewitness to the nuclear facilities and missile silos getting turned on and off by these craft. I, I'm a little bit uh, amazed at at how brazen the Brazilian government is to call them before the United States government has called them into hearings. Tim, what's your thoughts? Well, this is actually my top story for the UFO report tonight. But I'll tell you, um, I expect quite a bit. I'm extremely excited to see the list of people that are going to be there, including Gary, Gary um, I'm sorry, Gary Hesseltine, right? And so from the Hesseltine Lights. And so he's going to be there as well. Um, and so I'm very excited to see this take place. We kind of knew it was coming. Uh, so in four days, we're going to get a report and see how it goes. I think it's going to be interesting. We'll save that topic for a little bit more because I know you have more uh, detail coming up on that in the UFO report a little bit later on in the show. But let us move on yeah. here uh, to Alien Critter, who is asking, when will the next UFO hearings take place here? I mean, we weeks ago we were told it was only going to be a couple of weeks. We're past a couple of weeks now. We're more into week six, seven right now. And there is no plan in sight that we know of that more hearings are going to be taking place, Tim. That's right. And we know that almost exactly a year ago we got the Pentagon report, right? June 25th. And so we were kind of hoping that we'd be seeing another report like that, at least coming this summer. But as we know, that's not really scheduled until this October. So although we may not get that this summer, we could potentially see some hearings coming again. But again, we have to have preparation, right? And so a lot of questions were asked at the last one. So preparation needs to be done before the next set of hearings takes place. And as you saw, we saw them scrambling just to get their images up on the on the screen. Hopefully this time they'll come more prepared. But yeah, there's nothing set for hearings as far as dates go. Just a lot of hopeful and uh, some kind of targets as far as just this summer, hopefully. All right. Christine is asking, Dave, was it hard to learn to remote view? Uh, for me... I'm not very good at it, but I can do it. For others, it's more about concentration, more about meditation, and being able to open up your mind to see what you want to see. And as, to me, astral travel and remote viewing are exactly the same, and other people may disagree with that. But for me, I think they're very much the same, and it's just about having confidence in where you're going for a trip. Now, I would suggest that you have somebody who knows what they're doing to sit with you and to kind of help guide you through what they are seeing because a lot of times what happens is your your mind tends to have a lot of uh, imagination, try and follow through with it as it's working hard to decipher what you're seeing 
locally. But I, I think if you did it every day and you practice, I think you'd get a real clear shot at it. That's my opinion. Do you remote view, Tim? No, um, it's not something I've ever consciously attempted. No. Uh, we're going to change that. We're gonna I'm change deeply that. interested, though. Yeah, we are totally in fact, um, my work group is involved in the Consciousness Connection, which is a film that they're in production on, um, and so I'm definitely interested in it. It's um, you know, it's a little on the woo still for me, but um, by no means does that mean that it's not a science um, that can be investigated. Um, but it's just a new one to me that I'm yet to investigate. All right, let's go to Zen One. What are your thoughts on the Abyss movie and Tic Tacs off the California coast? I think, and this is just me, guys, and I could be completely wrong here. I really could. But to me, there's three movies that really tell it like it is when it comes to UFO or UAP. And there may be more, but these are the three that do it for me. The Abyss does it for me because it seems just so correct in experiences people are having in their interest in nuclear weapons, in their interest in controlling water and, and everything that goes along with it. That was a movie that's, that starred Ed Harris back in the early nineties. You should really watch it. The other one is of course, close encounters of the third kind. I think that is completely, I think, in my opinion, George Lucas, was it George Lucas who made that one? Or was it, no. Spielberg. It was Spielberg's story. I, I get them I get them confused sometimes. Steven Spielberg, to me, I think he had some insider information there. I really, Forget about it. I really, <laughs> really do believe that. And, yeah. I mean, that is just... You just can't capture something so accurate as that. Yeah. I think about oh, maybe a decade ago, um, some of my Hollywood buddies um, told me they knew that I was kind of, um, you know, um, doing feature films back in the day. And um, I remember as when my experience happened, they circled back and some of the information they gave me changed. Right. And they, they're like, you know who you should be working with. And they're like, JJ Abrams, like watch the work of that guy. If you're into this topic, that's how uh, disclosure is going to happen through the work of him. And then he had that Showtime project that came out last year. I thought that that was just so strange that I'd, I'd been told that about, you know, two years before that came out. Um, but I, I think you're right. Spielberg, Abrams, these people potentially have insider information. But again, you know, we look at even Star Trek and all of the work that was done by those greats, uh, the great writers, you know, um, or even Planet of the Apes. A lot of that stuff was written by people that we thought at the time, um, you know, that they had insider information. So science fiction has definitely imitated life um, and potentially even shown what's to come. You know, and so yeah. we're looking towards transporters and things like that. Absolutely. My third movie is Flight of the Navigator, a, oh, di- yeah. a Disney movie where a young lad 
comes in contact with a UFO in the forest and hops on board, ends up time traveling to the future by eight years. He's gone for eight years before he comes back. Now, he hasn't aged. His name is David, by the way. He hasn't <laughs> aged, but everybody else has. His little brother is now older than him in the movie. Mom and dad have aged. He ends up uh, going and, and being taken to NASA for, for study, along with the craft who does not abandon him. But the idea about him flying the craft through consciousness... Nobody was talking about that at that time. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah, that's absolute genius. And along the same lines was a film called Explorers. If you remember that, it uh, came out in 1985, um, where kids basically designed a warp bubble and uh, created a craft that could rest inside the warp bubble and they were flying over their neighborhood. I remember watching that and imagining the possibilities. But again, you know, that's the sort of thing, um, you know, doesn't art absolutely imitate life? It's just great. And oh, and that was a River Phoenix film also, Explorers. So I never saw that. Um, so those, oh, you get, it's a must-see. Those would be mine. All right, let's go to Adam here. How can right on. one use the phenomena or ritual magic to help him and his girlfriend overcome debilitating addiction? Adam, I'm going to say this. Number one, always seek professional help and put your guidance in, in professional help. But using spirituality, as long as you can believe it, can help you as well. All right? It can help uh, a lot of meditation, yoga, really uh, opening up your mind to the possibilities of what is out there has saved a lot of people. It may work for you. It may not. All right. There are certain things, and, and I'm saying this, I don't have an addiction, but I do suffer from depression and anxiety. So I am always on the lookout for signs of when I'm going to have my own little, how can we put it, uh, um, my little attack on my mental stability. And I would say this, I always, always seek professional help because the experts know what they're going on. Find an expert that you can help with. And I, I also want to say, Adam, that you and your girlfriend are highly valued. Once you re re can remember your value, okay, and that you are important and that you are someone who who is needed on this planet, whether it's by us here at Spaced Out Radio as a listener or your own family and friends, that's all a part of realizing it is learning your value and professional help can learn your value, but spirituality in learning your, your own beliefs and, and grounding methods and getting in touch with your guides and, and getting in touch with your own uh, consciousness will help you as well. So keep up the fight. Remember you are wanted, you are needed, you are loved and please seek professional help first and then uh, seek out your spirituality after that. And when both come together, your possibilities are absolutely limitless for what you can accomplish on this planet, my friend. All right, let's move on here. Uh, awesome Ann Palmer is asking, do you believe in magic, the song or in general? I want to believe in magic. I totally want to believe in magic. How about you, Tim? 
No, I don't. <laughs> Sorry. I, that's just me. I'm not a, I'm not a magic man. Unfortunately, I'm a science guy. Uh, you're one of them. You're one of them. I am one of them. You are one of them. them. All right. Lawnmower girl. What is the single case that you believe might be the key to everything? I'll let you go first on this one, Tim. Well, for me, this is a simple answer. And I know they're asking you, but lawnmower girl, for me, the single case that I believe that I think is the key to everything was my own case. My own family's case. Nine of us experienced something very intense on Bainbridge Island in 2019. Um, it was undeniable to us. I just happened to capture photographic evidence. Um, but the experience itself was definitely the single case in my personal realm that um, I know happened and I know it's true. Um, and for me, it was the key to everything because it showed me all the potential of not just the technology that I was looking at, you know, the nuts and bolts aspect. It brought in the woo a little bit because I was shown what potentially is a portal to another dimension or another space and time. I mean, I've really thought it through on lots of different levels. Um, and, you know, it's undeniable. I do have photographs of that, you know, and so my whole family saw it. We saw something exit or eg enter or exit that portal. So that's a big case, you know, because it suggests a lot of things, you know, a tic-tac that fired a beam that opened a portal that something a craft either entered or exited out of. And we witnessed it. I captured it on film. I mean, that that's, expresses a lot of moving parts, a lot of potential from technology that we're seeing, a lot of answers for pilots that are wondering what they're seeing in the skies, a lot of potential answers for time and space and how do we get from here to there. Um, and so that was a big case. Check it out for yourself, it, you know, um, Bainbridge Island Tic Tac. I've done a few interviews. I've shown the, the photos a lot of places. Um, for the here and now and for what we're seeing in the skies, um, this, for me, I felt like was a big case. And um, at the time that it happened, July 5th, 2019, there was a lot of action on the Pacific coast with this sort of phenomenon. Um, and consider me the source Um uh, a family of PhDs and ex-military. We're not people that believe in UFOs. And even to this day, I don't necessarily believe in UFOs. Um, I know what I saw was incredible, but it doesn't necessarily mean it was, you know, alien, but um, it was incredible. You got aliens. So you there got you go. Aliens. I'm sorry Maybe. to tell you that, but you do, you know, uh, I, I really do believe that you have to take your photos and get a hold of, uh, Doctor Sudeikis and Doctor Knuth regarding what oh, yeah. they what they captured in a terror in the sky, because I think yeah. I think it's very very much the same. And oh yeah, those guys are in my work group, so they're yeah, you're absolutely right. They've got even better stuff than than that. I mean, they make my data look laughable. All but right, yeah, you're so right. My case is Roswell. You open up the Pandora's box to Roswell, it opens up the door to everything. Yeah. Everything. You're so right. And yeah, that was a key case. And it opens up the door to aliens, UFO technology, crash retrievals, 
the fact that they've never admitted that there's two crashes that happened that day, not one, one in San Augustine and one in Corona, which ended up being the Roswell crash. I think there are so many mysteries regarding Roswell. I got a question for you, Tim. Sure. (laughs) Is somebody, I run a restaurant. Would would somebody, (laughs) would somebody be up to walk past your door? No. Why? I, maybe it's my imagination. Maybe it was my eyes. I swear about we'll review the 20 tape. seconds ago. <laughs> somebody marked the tape here uh, that it looked like something walked by your door. Um. So I will tell you this. Like, okay, so I've done a few interviews here and there. And in two of the interviews, while I've been on camera, something questionable has happened uh, on live on sh- live on the show I was on. Um, so I did spaghetti Lee and, uh, the monitor in the background just turned on, uh, while we were doing our interview. And then, um, I was doing another show with Martin Willis and, um, he had something. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out-of-pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. I fall off of a shelf during our interview, and he's like, that shouldn't have happened. And he ended up, uh, you know, it was really distracting. (laughs) It took like five minutes of our talk time uh, to question why it happened. So... There could have been something. I mean, I definitely have the hitchhiker effect. I've seen lots of stuff since our family's experience in 2019. I've captured lots and lots of stuff on film, and I've had weird stuff happen to me. Um, We had a shadow figure that um, appeared to my wife and I while we were driving. Very odd in our headlights. Um, You know, all, all kinds of different stuff that I never would have noticed i guess before i think potentially the phenomenon is one of those things that goes relatively unnoticed it's right in front of our eyes and we just don't see it well i'm i'm watching the replay right now waiting for what do you see your your door does open an inch okay okay so so if you look at your door now it was closed by about an inch (laughs) okay and yeah i am it's all dark yeah, and I'm just waiting to see if I actually do see. I heard nothing. Okay, so there. Uh, shoot, I just missed it. Now I got to use my other mouse here to click on it and go back. Yeah, no, the only thing would be my puppy, and she's she's caged. She's actually a. All right. She gets uh, box trained. All right, so I, I'm just watching this again, and yeah. I don't know if you, did you bump? There's the door. Okay, it opens on its own. Like somebody has grabbed it and pulled it. It opens by about an inch. Yikes. Yeah, so. 
I'll have to watch it. I I mean, my arm could have bumped it. I don't remember that. Okay. I think you would have noticed. You uh, would have noticed if. Okay. Uh, Nikki said she rewatched it. It looked like uh, your elbow or okay. arm may have bumped the door. So cool. If that's it, hey, we've solved another that's mystery. Most, yeah, that's most likely right. I think uh, the the shortest distance between two spots is the straight lines. So All right. Uh, picking cool. a topic. Let's go to the scowling Greg O'Brien as we got about three minutes left here in this segment. Tim, where is the line be between hard. when and where the phenomenon starts and stops? Where's the line? Um, Greg, always something deep that I have to think about. You're hilarious. I get these texts from him all day long. Dave, so he keeps me in a ponderance. Um, I, I think the line is is where we each draw it. Like where Wu begins for me is with consciousness, right? That's I, I'm a very nuts and bolts guy. So um, the line is between what I can capture on film because it's there, whether I'm capturing it in whatever light spectrum that is, and then something that's controlled more by consciousness, I guess that's where I draw the line personally. So things like parapsychology or any of that stuff, I i can't get there yet. Um, personally, right? I, and I'm not saying this is the line for everyone. This is just my personal line. I'm a nuts and bolts guy and I come from a science background. So that's just where I personally am. What about you, Dave? Your, your line is way in the end zone, isn't it? Wait, oh, dude! I uh, woo factor times a hundred here. Woo factor yeah. times a hundred here, and right. And I will say this: How can I put this? Um, the phenomena <laughs> to me is everywhere. It's almost like. It's godly. And I realize that's controversial to say that. But it's almost like it's godly. And it is, it was, and it will be. Now, whether the phenomena is a godly thing, for instance, I'm a god guy. I believe in God. Hey, I might be in the minority here or the majority. It really doesn't matter. Okay, that's my, my opinion. But I believe the phenomena is everything. The phenomena is one. It is the be-all. It's the end-all. It's it's everything. And is it godly? I think we're getting closer to that, to finding out. I believe that there are individuals who are capable of understanding the fact that the phenomena is what it's all about. The phenomena mm-hmm. is the cryptids. It is the things that go bump in the night. It is your UFOs. It is your time travelers. It's near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, consciousness, the control of the heart, sh- uh, the heart and soul, the chakras aligning, and it is absolutely everything. And many people may not believe that, but the more I talk to people who are in the know, the more it scares them to find out that the phenomena is about everything. And that's mm-hmm. where I'm leaning these days. On that note, and when we come great. back on Spaced Out Radio, we're going to give Tim a little bit of a break. We're going to head into the swamp where our resident swamp dweller is going to come in and tell us another spooky story. 
courtesy of his great YouTube channel. Then Tim will be back as we have the UFO report. And he's going to bring us three awesome stories that we're going to discuss, debate about what's happening in ufology today. Stay tuned. Hour three of Spaced Out Radio is next. There we go. We're clear. That's Beautiful. All right. I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. And uh, Jonathan Davies sees the phenomena in Nick Pope's hair. Uh, so we know that. I'll be right back.
Hello, everyone. Oh, I forgot to put dirty filth on. Oh, that's because his internet crashed. That's that cheap Canadian metric internet. That's metric internet right there. Hello, gorgeous Ashley, Jordan Ashley Pettit, and everybody else tonight. I apologize. I have not said hello to everybody tonight due to the changing guests and and everything, but uh, I do love you, and I do thank you for coming on out and and really in uh, helping us build a great program tonight. Uh, This is why we got some of the greatest fans on uh, the Internet is because you guys really helped make tonight's show. So thank you. I know we didn't get to all of the questions, but I do um, appreciate each and every one of you tuning us in and asking the questions and and making it for a very interesting show. And I appreciate Tim Senor for coming in at the la- literally the last minute for uh, helping bail us out here. I uh, really appreciate it. And, uh, man, are we lucky. We're lucky. Uh, thank you to Donnie, Patrick, and Thomas for the super chats. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And here we go with our number three, everyone. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us as we try to earn your listening ears each and every night on this show. We want to say hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America and digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. What do you got for us tonight, Clam? Acurology. Acurology is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with the Swamp Dweller. We're heading on into the swamp for another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I've been friends with this guy named Ryan for eight years now. We met in fourth grade. We just finished our junior year of high school. He and I have both been a fan of random walks for quite some time. We've been doing it for a couple of years now during the winter, spring, summer, and fall. Safe to say we love taking walks. He lives a few blocks away from a cemetery. We go straight two blocks to get there and take a right down a hill. There's this bridge we go through, then there's the cemetery. It's on a large hill, so most of it is not very visible unless you're up there. 
We got a little distant during our 8th grade year and didn't hang out too much. I became the popular kid, which was shocking since I've always been an introvert. But anyways, I digress. The point I'm making is we didn't go on many walks together. We rekindled our friendship our first year when COVID hit. We hung out more and talked more. We started walking to the cemetery more and noticed this yellow sports car that would be parked there. We didn't think too much of it. Maybe someone was grieving. It's a cemetery after all. We continued walking there, and the yellow car was at the same spot every single time we went. The lights were turned off. It just sat there for hours at a time. Again, we didn't think too much of it. After becoming a little more distant my sophomore year, we began hanging out more during the beginning of our junior year. We went to the cemetery like usual, and there was the same yellow car. It was just there doing nothing. We both know it wasn't a worker since the vehicle, just parked in the middle of the path you can drive through, not at the parking lot near the buildings. But we still carried on. Fast forward to May of 2022, we were just about to finish our junior year. We went to the cemetery at around 9pm since I got a job at a pizza place in January. I always worked 4 to 9, sometimes 4 to 8. Every weekday besides Thursday. We walked like usual, talking about true crime, how dry our love lives are, and about movies coming out soon. We noticed the car wasn't there for once. The cemetery has a lot of hills and stretches out. There are maybe a few thousand graves with still a lot of room. You must walk up a mountain to get to the main area, and most of the graveyard is still not visible because of the hills. We continue walking to where the car usually parks, since we've never been there. We continue talking about our issues and notice a vehicle driving in the path. We didn't think too much of it, but when it came close to us, we saw that it was yellow. The same type of headlights, the same license plate. It was dark out then, so we relied on our flashlights on our phones. We got a little freaked out, but carried on. We walked a little bit more until the yellow car stopped at its usual place. We stopped roughly 30 feet away from the vehicle for a second with our flashlights. We heard the door open and footsteps approach us. We freaked out and shut off our phone. We bolted away. We were faster than the person, but we knew they were running after us. I asked Ryan in a whisper if he brought pepper spray with him, and of course he didn't bring it the one time that we needed it. We hid behind big gravestones for a minute, waiting to see if this person would run by, but they didn't come. They must have given up. We waited for a couple of more minutes and bolted out of the cemetery, entirely out of breath. We joked about it a little since before we went into the graveyard, we said, imagine if something terrifying were to happen to us. Speak of the devil. I wonder what would have happened to us that night if they caught us. I wonder just what they would have done to us. I'm glad that Ryan and I took extreme caution when we saw that car. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be writing this right now. Many people have asked me what I think caused this experience, and I don't really have an answer. So, in an attempt to explain, let me tell my story. I'm not really religious or spiritual, however, I simply can't ignore what happened. This happened in 2010. When I met the woman, who would later become my wife, we started renting a small house in a rather small town. I was in the process of beginning a new job and circumstances prevented me from staying in the house with her for the first week. 
We would talk on the phone each morning during my drive to work. She would explain to me each morning that she had struggled to sleep the previous night. She described sounds that kept her awake. It sounded like someone was running through the house. Objects were falling off the kitchen counter. Doors were slamming. After three days, I decided to go ahead and move in with her. I was convinced that someone was breaking in and harassing her. However, she was confident that she was sharing the house with a ghost. I took off work on the third day. It took me about eight hours to get everything moved in. I was taking a break on our bed, still fully dressed, when I felt something or someone tugging on my pant leg. I remained motionless, hoping that it would happen again. After a few seconds, it did happen again, much more aggressively this time. I felt a hand firmly placed on my leg just before it grabbed my jeans and started pulling. She was on the bed next to me, and no one else was with us. We had no pets as it was not allowed at the time. I immediately started having the same experiences as she had described over the phone throughout the night. It was like someone was destroying our kitchen, but nothing was ever out of place. There was running, as she explained, which sounded like a smaller person, perhaps even a child. I woke up one night to someone standing next to my bed hovering over me. I heard giggling. The individual bolted out of the room as I turned my head. It was too dark to notice any features. Over eight months' time, many unusual things happened. To make a long story short, I'll skip ahead to my prior experience, perhaps the most frightening. I was alone in the house, waiting to join an online seminar. I was sitting on my couch with my laptop on the coffee table. I heard the back door slam shut and a person began dashing through the house. These footsteps were heavier, and this person was quickly moving. Given the design of our tiny house, this person was running in my direction. I shot up and ran out of the house. I didn't stop until I reached the street. That's where I remained until my wife returned. As I was standing by the street, I was looking back in the house. A balloon from a recent party made its way from the kitchen into my bedroom, then back into the kitchen moments later. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. What, I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. It's another hurricane season. And right about now, residents are busy fortifying their nests against damage. This year, they're preparing with flood insurance. They've learned it's the extra layer of protection that prevents them from paying out of pocket or pouch for costly repairs. You too should trust your instincts this season. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. It felt like I was being watched by someone and it also felt like I was watching somebody search for me going room to room, all while holding this balloon. This was the last thing to ever happen to us. It randomly stopped after that, but we continued living there in fear for four more years. I would give anything to experience it again in a strange way, though. I would try to be less afraid and approach the situation more analytically. My wife, on the other hand, was never scared of it, Unfortunately, my wife passed away a few years ago, 
I know she would have enjoyed sharing her story here. I still drive by the house occasionally, and no one has ever moved in. It's in a small town area where not a whole lot of people seem to be moving these days. Oh, we say thank you to the Swamp Dweller for freaking us out once again with true stories that he gets on his YouTube channel, Swamp Dweller Reads. So head on over to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads to get your spooky dose of stories each and every night. He has thousands of them. So make sure you check him on out. All right. Let's get to the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. We say thank you to Tim Senior for Disclosure tonight, tuning us on in and helping us on out with the UFO report tonight. Tim, how you doing, buddy? Doing really well, Dave. Thanks so much for having me. And we also want to say thank you for coming on in and filling in with us tonight on an open lines, open questions with our audience, and we really do appreciate that. But we're getting to the UFO report, and you wanted to get into some big detail about what we expect to happen in Brazil, where in just a few days' time, they are going to be holding their own congressional hearings on unidentified aerial phenomena. That's right. That's right. And actually, coming from Apple News, I'm happy to report that this is coming from the science and tech section from Apple News. So we're no longer in the woo, Dave. This is actual news coming from science and tech. So again, Brazil also confirms action on UFOs with an expert panel set to address the government next week. The editor of UFO Truth magazine, Gary Heseltine, is set to address the Brazilian government next week in a historic public hearing on the impact of the unidentified flying objects. Gary Heseltine, a retired detective from Wakefield, West Yorkshire, will give a speech to the Brazilian Senate in Brasilia on June 24th, as as reported now by the Wakefield Express. Along with Gary will be Robert Salas and Lou Elizondo from the United States. And they're quoted as saying, I'm honored to be invited to this test to testify before the Brazilian Senate about the global aspect of the unidentified flying object and unidentified aerial phenomenon issue. With recent legislative developments in the United States, all countries should now acknowledge and cooperate on the UAP subject and realize that it's an imperative that the subject will be addressed as a one-of-one-world-human-race issue. And I find that's crucial, Dave, that people are waking up to the fact that this isn't just a U.S. problem. It's not just a Brazil problem. This is a global problem. And I call it a problem simply because it's an event taking place and we have no description for it. What do you think? And you know what? I I love the fact that it's a one-world problem because we have stated many times on this show that UFOs and the existence of them, Tim, is not an American problem. It's not a Canadian problem. It's not a Russian or Chinese problem. This is going to affect every single person on this planet. There are very few instances in this world where everybody is going to be affected. 
I mean, even if you go back to the world wars, not every country was involved in the world wars. Not every country had a, a problem with the pandemic that's just gone on. Not every country has had issues uh, with, with you know, any type of military and industrial con confrontation that we see going on. There are very few topics where it's going to affect every single person, from those living in the jungles of Africa to those living in the high-rise cities of New York and London and Paris and, and Tokyo and Ottawa and Toronto. You know, we, we see it all. And you're absolutely right. We have to be prepared for that. And next to Jesus Christ himself coming back down from the heavens, this is the second biggest story in humankind's history, which is, are we alone in the universe? And the more we That's try right. to, to figure that out, the more interesting the answers are becoming. So the fact that Brazil is recognizing the idea that this isn't about Brazil, this isn't about America, this isn't about Britain, this is about every person on this planet, I think right now they're far ahead of the game. I agree. And obviously with the release of the Pentagon report that was confirmed that they did have reports and knowledge of flying aircraft in the aerospace that they could not identify just goes to show that other nations such as Canada, Russian Russia and China have all been confirming that they are going to have to begin action on UFOs and alien activity after they also confirm the sightings that they're finding in their skies. And so that's why in a quote here, that's why the Brazilian Senate are holding the, its first ever public hearing on the subject and why it's such an honor for Hesseltine and this group to be chosen to be the brief senator to to brief the senators about about the global aspect of the phenomenon. Bit of a tongue twister there. Well, it is, but you know what? I can understand your excitement over it. I I really yeah. can. And look, we should all be excited about this. We should. But as long as we still have politicians asking questions about swamp gas, about little green men, we're not moving the subject forward. We need, and look, a lot of the good talk, the juice, as I call it, will happen behind the scenes. It's not going to happen in front of camera in the public forums of this. No, that's where we're going to get the idiotic questions. We need to come out and we need to make sure that a lot of these subjects, if they're in camera for the public to see, or if they're behind the scenes, that the same stories get told. We're not moving the ball yeah. forward if if all the real juice is going to sit in private. And look, I understand right. and that's where they want it to be right now because we yeah. technically don't know. Right. And that's why the team that's selected here is so important. These are key players. These are the right people to be delivering this message to their Senate. I mean, honestly, if you could pick three more... Uh, uh, a credible people to deliver this. I'd like to hear it because really um, this is about time. And um, the more countries that get on board with this, the better. <clears throat> I was absolutely thrilled to hear about your work with Canada and the progress that you and your team are making. Um, it's great to see that in the headlines and it just shows that it's just a wave of information that's going to be flooding across the planet. 
And the fact that this is now recognized as more of a global issue, I think, is a huge point to highlight. Absolutely. And we got to keep it going. We got to keep the momentum up. But we also have to be able as a public, as a UFO community, whether you're an experiencer or just a believer or somebody who has curiosity to continue to apply the pressure on certain government individuals to make sure that they are seeking out the answers, that they are asking the proper questions. And that's the big one for us is what are the proper questions? You know, because your questions, Tim, are going to be different than mine, which are going to be different from any politician who has to worry not only about their electoral status and their constituents, but also about their own reputation within their within their party, within their community, within the political game. And how is that going right. to affect them? You know, it's a little bit more different in the United States than in Canada, where lobbyists can really control uh, financially which way a politician sways. Up here in Canada, that can't happen. You know, um, just due to the to the uh, the rules of it all. But the idea that that we um, that we can get these conversations going. What I'm very excited about regarding Brazil, though, dude, is they have some incredible stories, way more incredible dealing with extraterrestrials than we do here in North America. Right, and that is simply because that country started recording that in a different way uh, a long, long time ago. And so this was something where they didn't discredit witnesses. They didn't discredit pilots. They didn't discredit military personnel that were willing to risk their careers to come forward with a story that was hard enough to tell, even in a country that was open to it, right? This is not a career-enhancing story to be telling for anybody, whether you're in Brazil, Russia, or the United States. So let's just consider the fact that this country made it a lot easier for people to report decades ago. They were way ahead of us on that game. So they have piles and piles of reports. Now, are they all credible? We don't know. We don't know that, but we do have a pile of information, and a lot of them have video and photographs to come along with the stories. And so let's just consider that a whole different world from what we're experiencing here in this country that censors everything and heavily, you know, discredits anyone that comes out on this topic. Well said, well said. And, and, you know, look, there's been a lot of talks about ETs uh, literally terrorizing small communities in Brazil, uh, UFO landing spots all over the country, uh, dog-like Anubis type creatures coming out and, and running rampant. I mean, there have been a lot of reports, uh, strange reports, ETs running through the 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 forests and and the rainforest down there in the Amazon. I mean, this is this has been a very very strange and unique country when it comes to this type of phenomena. And I would love for them to present publicly a lot of their findings regarding this. It, yeah. I mean, if well, we, we are going to start then, seeing it. I hope so. I mean, we're going to, yeah, I think that we're going to start seeing it, especially with scratching us, <clears throat> excuse me, 
scratching the surface the way we are opening up the dialogue as we are here with Brazil. And as we know, we have filmmakers there uh, right now that are covering and documenting the exact story that you're talking about in Virginia. And so that story in that film is going to be coming uh, any minute from James Fox. And we definitely look forward to seeing that documentary. I want to ask you, as we got about a minute to go here before we have to go to break at the bottom of the hour, Tim Senor and the UFO report. Tim, what do you expect from Lou Elizondo to speak about this or even Robert Salas? Well, I am sure they'll be briefed on all of the stuff that was given at our insider hearings here at our last public hearings. So a lot of the recent events, some of the new data that was released by the Navy. And I think my understanding is that there are um, actual Air Force images and data that are compiled from the Air Force that we're sharing. But of course, that's not public. Those will be the behind the closed doors meetings and uh, disclosure that will hopefully take place. At least they'll walk away with information. Well, I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing what happens. And we will continue on with the UFO report. When we come back from the break, can advanced aliens change the laws of physics? Oh, I think they're going to change a lot more than just physics, my friend. A lot more. And we'll get more with the uh, uh, the UFO report here with Tim Senor, who's filling on in. Enjoying the night tonight. A lot of fun information coming on out as we continue on. We got Tim continuing with the UFO report. Then we follow it up with Shirky Poo's News. Spaced Out Radio continues with the final half hour right after this. Right on, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You having a good time? I am. I am. Considering everything that's uh, happened tonight, you know, uh, I did hear from our guest. uh, Because he's in Europe, he did, uh, he sent me a voicemail, actually, and he apologized. He he got the cross-referencing on the time change wrong, and so he did apologize for... Uh, not being here tonight, but that's okay. I mean, if that's the worst thing that happens tonight, guess what, guys? We're doing absolutely great, and I still think our fans got a great show, got to participate in this, and we've we've made for a, a strong night. It just it's hard for me as a host when it happens last second because your mind has to start scrambling and changing modes. So. You know, here I was all day trying to learn about Oliver Cromwell, and now all of a sudden I got to change back to something different. So um, it happens. It's hey, it's live radio, and that's what happens. You have to be able to adjust, and you have to be able to to run with it from there. If you don't, well, then you're not really winning. You're not really moving forward, right? So. It is what it is. I'm very happy with tonight's show. Very happy. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. It has I've had a blast. Well, we appreciate you coming on in, man. And, you know, I know know with your family and your schedule, it's it's quite tough sometimes to just hop on in. But uh, we really appreciate you doing that for us tonight, man. It's my pleasure. 
Mm-hmm. Trying to see if my my chat room is frozen here. Trying not to lose my voice. You're almost done. I spent the day at a uh, trampoline gym. Oh, and so I've been yelling at the top of my lungs all day with the kids. And then I forgot that I was doing a show. Otherwise, I would have saved a bit. But, yeah, I'm losing it. It's fun. It's fun. It's it's called, I think, uh, Catch Air. And you do. You're up there. It's a lot of fun. That is really cool. Uh, on my Spreaker here, just on Spreaker, on my StreamYard here, my chat room has uh, frozen on me. So I don't know what's causing um, that right now. It's probably best because, boy, your chat has turned on you. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> Love you, buddy. I'm just if joking. If you call that a was... UFO a UAP, I will kick you in the nuts, Joe Monk says. Well, Joe, I'm uh-huh. going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this, Mr. Maine. Okay. I'm just going to break it on down to you. All right. Uh, I will call it UAP as long as you are in denial that you're an experiencer and you've got aliens. Ooh, back at you, Joe. Um, you know what? I could probably help on this topic very quickly. Um, what helped me to discern this because I, I was having a real hard time with all of the, you know, the terminology and I, I like UFO. And I don't think that we're set, we're not negating one to gain the other, right? I feel like UFO is, um, let's just call it history. UFO is, is history and UAP is the science in the future. And so like you've got UFO history and now you've got UAP science. So UAP is the science aspect and UFOs perhaps the wooey and the um, historical aspect. Not that the history is woo, but um, there wasn't a lot of data being collected back there. We're in the world of science now. And so they've relabeled it. It's been relabeled. Just got to accept it. But it's also a little different. It's not really UFO anymore. It's like a little you know, more tangible because we're trying to collate it. Not, not so, me, man. You, I don't know if that helps. But you, you and I will agree to disagree on that. I absolutely, that's fine. I yeah. absolutely hate the term UAP. I think, uh, yeah. in in my opinion, I think it's a uh, for the way it has been used by a number of people. I think it's been a a chicken shit term that has been brought forward <laughs> to deny what people have experienced for decades. I absolutely respect that. Yeah. That, yeah. So we got, and tw- I'm a newbie. So we got 20, yeah. we got 20 seconds here. So I'll get you to hold on right there. Thank you to Donnie Cho times two Mennonite, Abe, Patrick and Thomas for the lovely super chats tonight. The super chat is a beautiful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Here we go with the final half hour, everyone. Heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. 
Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. I am the host of this incredible show we call SOR. Thank you so much for taking the time. I want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. For the final time tonight, we head on over to the UFO Report. Tim Senor is here hanging on out, and we are going to head straight over to, where are we going? The Technology of UFOs. Can advanced aliens change the laws of physics? Tim, let us know what's going on. Yeah. So in a recent article from Anomalian.com, they're asking, how do you find evidence of the existence of technologically advanced civilizations in the universe? It all depends on what exactly you're looking for. After all, it is... I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. But I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. It's hurricane season. Flood insurance can help you avoid paying out of pocket for costly damage. It's time to trust your instincts. Get flood insurance and protect the life you've built. Visit floodsmart.gov. Absolutely incomprehensible what opportunities an extraterrestrial civilization can achieve in the process of its development. And so the idea is that we have to imagine a whole separate uh, uh, physics, basically, dependent upon the planet that these aliens potentially originate from. So they would have everything different there from gravity to the rotation of their planet and the star that it's actually rotating around. And so all the physics that we live in and abide by here on Earth are depicted and dictated by the situation that we're living in, if you will. And so if they're living in a completely different situation, their physics can rely on that situation. If that makes any sense, that's a very loose way to look at it. And so furthering this question is directly related to the so-called Kardashev scale. A type one civilization in the Kardashev scheme can capture all the energy falling on its home planet. A type two civilization can capture all the energy generated by its parent star. And then finally, a type three civilization can do the same in its entire galaxy. And so these are paradigm and physics changing uh, paradigms. (laughs) And so what we have to do is investigate the physics that all these things are dependent on and consider the fact that since they're all interrelated, they could be actually working on a completely different mathematics and physics scale. And so harvesting the energy of an entire galaxy seems like a pretty advanced skill. But in fact, the idea can be developed even further. 
Can a type four or type five civilization exist? Are there any restrictions at all for the development of an alien species? And if so, what are those limits? Dave, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that once they finally say, hello, how are you? We are here and we're here to stay. I think that they are going to change what we know as science. I don't think there's a choice. Whether it's growing through wormholes, whether it's being able to travel in time. I mean, everything that we have thought of in every sci-fi television show, movie, and book becoming a reality is something we have to be prepared for. And that science needs to be prepared for as well. Look, the one thing that we do know about science is it is infinite. And to say that we already have a lot of the answers or most of the answers or 99% of the answers is incorrect. You know, I mean, this is where it bugs me when somebody with the pull of Neil deGrasse Tyson comes in and he literally laughs off the UFO subject as being not real, even though evidence states differently. I have a problem with that because what you're doing is you're limiting your own profession. And scientists, and, and I've talked at length with, with people like Dr. Bob McGuire and, and many other scientists regarding this, not only this phenomena, but the, the science in general around anything in there. And the one thing that a scientist can't do is limit himself or herself or their self in order to, you know, try and spin a, a narrative. You know, science isn't about opinion. It's about expanding things. Imagine if Albert Einstein had used opinion rather than mathematics and, and science to let the science and math do the talking. Where would we be right now? How far back would we be right now? And with the amount of brain power and computer power that we have these days, the idea of trying to say that we've already figured it all out is unconscionable considering that if these creatures if these other civilizations are here to really help us out and to really teach us how much more are we going to know how much is that going to expand knowledge and there's some scary right. stuff in there dude mm -hmm. if, if you if you, and the go ahead well, I was going to say, and they could be teaching us inadvertently. And I mean, of course, you know, we can't um, refuse that something is potentially there just because we refuse to look through the telescope, right? That doesn't mean that it doesn't exist just because we refuse to look. And so we need to start recognizing that fact. And so potentially, what I mean by inadvertently delivering us their physics is we're trying to figure out some craft let's say that we found is you know wreckage and debris and we're trying to figure it out well let's consider for a moment that this was operating on a physics that you know comes from another realm and so for us to try and put it into our own terms is never going to happen because they don't work under the same mathematics that we do they're not bound by the same rules that we are and so that's the kind of thing that I'm kind of interested in is the alternative physics, um, you know, that we can learn. Um, there's definitely, right. it definitely exists. We know it must. Very much agree. And, and, and to think that we are, are limiting ourselves isn't really what human 
humans and humanity are all about. We should be excited about the process that there is potentially more civilizations out there that want to help us. We don't know how old they are. We don't know if they're 25,000 years advanced, 500 years advanced, 100,000 years advanced. We don't know. And that's the exciting part. Could you imagine, let's say a peaceful civilization. Let's. Everybody always wants to talk about aliens coming here to eat us or to enslave us. But let's talk about the peaceful side here for a second. Could you imagine if all of a sudden you have an extraterrestrial species coming on in here, Tim, and you have them saying, we're going to give you free energy. We're going to show you how to live longer. We're going to show you how to develop your consciousness. We don't want anything in return. We just want humanity to get on the road to where we are. And they came and taught us. Sure, the military-industrial complex is going to hate that, first and foremost. B, they're going to try and stop it. Okay, but we have to think of, of some positives here for a minute and just think, how could they benefit us? What about... What about using their technology to get clean water to people who haven't had water in years, like in Africa? Right. Or right. Now you're starting to think that way. I love that you're thinking that way. And let's consider this for just a moment. Um, and now, if we're to consider that time started at the same time for all of us, whether you're here or there, time started at the same time for all of us, this civilization potentially um, started at the same time, but they're just smarter than us. And so they've advanced far quick, quicker than us. And so um, it's not that they're necessarily on a different time scale. uh, They're just um, smarter than us. Right. And so we have to struggle. We have to struggle with that one. Um, But um, I think it's it's a little hard to take that one on the chin if you haven't kind of wrapped your head around the fact that we're not alone. Right. <laughs> Finally tonight. And you, then. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Finish up. No, that was it. All right. Finally tonight, you had a chance to check out uh, Above Top Secret, the technology behind Disclosure, which is done by the Cousins Brothers of Third Phase of Moon. And, you know, for all all record's sake, I've had a number of people say, hey, do you know the Cousins Brothers used a, a clip from Spaced Out Radio in Lou Elizondo? I said, yes. They asked me permission. And I have no problem granting permission to people who ask me permission. Unlike another Who's Lou that did not ask me permission to use our show. And, you know... Um, I have not seen it yet because up here in Canada, uh, there are certain videos that we don't get that go on Amazon Prime. They don't come to Prime Canada. I don't know why it works that way, but it tends to. So I have not seen it. So I'm going to rely on you on this one, Tim. For sure. And you can catch it on Vudu as well, which I believe is international. And so you can rent it or own it there. Um, uh, But it's above top secret the technology behind disclosure. And so um, it's just released and the synopsis is it, it is a journey into the secret technology hidden from the public until now. James Goodall, John D'Souza and Stephen Greer reveal their cover up and motives on 
why we have been denied free energy. Unprecedented access into Dr. Stephen Greer's crusade for disclosure and secret technologies. And so directed by the, um, the cousins brothers, both Blake and Brent bring this film to us starring Dr. Stephen Greer, James Goodall and John D'Souza. And so in uh, my review, I really enjoyed this film. And so there's actually quite a lot of information here. And I think um, to give you kind of a broad sweep of the message. And so to go into any piece with an open mind as we should, you should look at everything that we have. Don't just disregard it because potentially you're not comfortable with the source. Again, don't deny something by just not looking. So, Anyways, this film brought a lot of great information that I wasn't even aware of. And so what this film does is it takes a look into a lot of technologies that are potentially out there and not being disclosed to the public through one reason or another. And so a lot of what this film also discusses are things that are called um, AR. V's, which is an alien reproduction vehicle. And so what the idea behind this is, is that our government uses um, a vehicle that looks like it could be alien to fly in the skies and potentially make the public think that we're being invaded by aliens when it's really our own technology. And so this conspiracy theory is spun throughout this as a narrative. But however, you can't just completely disregard this as being fictitious when we know that the government seeds programs like this and potentially disguises its own technology to look like alien so that we would cross it off as being woo, if for lack of a better term. And so throughout the film, we get some great insight from men like James Goodall, who, in my personal experience, brings a lot of information and credibility to anything that he touches. A lot of insight to military and um, aviation technology that does exist, and a lot of hypothetical information on what kind of government technology could exist. And so it's definitely a film that you should check out. I know that it's going to be probably on major streams here soon. Hopefully you get a chance to see it, Dave Scott but your uh, American counterparts in the chat and out there in the public will definitely get a chance to rent it. And it's, I think like three or four bucks to rent. Um, definitely worth a, a few bucks to check out. I, yeah. I'm very excited to see this one too, because, you know, I know the cousins brothers take a lot of heat out there uh, for the community. And there's a lot of people who love them. A lot of people who hate them. They have always been very, very good supporters of spaced out radio and so I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see what they say. I'm not a Stephen Greer fan. And however, you know, we look, there's so much information out there that even us as people who are in this field on a daily basis, we can only assume who's telling us the right thing and who's telling us the wrong thing. You're either, and these days you always seem to either be on Team Lou or Team Greer. One of the two. Yeah. And, and you don't have to be. You know, you can just listen to everything, which is what I definitely do. And, um, you know, don't shoot the messenger. If this film delivers some information that makes you uncomfortable, I think, it. you know, any any film or documentary should make you think. Um, and, you know, just go into anything with an open mind. Um, 
And again, a really great film. I mean, I was entertained. Just all of that aside, it was an entertaining film where you're just engrossed. A lot of great information. Wonderful. And Tim, we say thank you for coming on in and doing the UFO report tonight. Very much appreciate it. As we are going to change on over and we're going to head over to Shirky Poo and the news. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's news. All right. Let's get right to it. Here's a strange one. A passenger has been called out on social media for committing a criminal act to get her plane seat. Yeah. Flying can be both exciting and stressful with behavior of your fellow passengers, often dictating whether or not it's a pleasure or a chore. If people follow the unwritten rules of airline etiquette, then it can be a breeze. But if they don't, well, it's in for an uncomfortable ride. This is the case for one fellow who was absolutely appalled by the behavior of a passenger on a long-haul flight that he decided to share it on social media. The man slyly filmed a woman as she chambered and clambered past passengers by standing on the armrests to get to her window seat. Yeah. The most criminal activity I've ever seen on a plane, the filmer says. This woman was hopping over other passengers the whole seven-hour flight. She certainly seemed to have made herself at home on the plane, and commenting on the video, many people agreed that she strayed outside the parameters of standard in-flight etiquette. One person wrote, so she goes to the lab in socks, picks up some urine and fecal bits on them, sprinkle them on more gross things from the galley and aisle, then put those disgusting things on my armrest, no thanks. Another added, wait, she couldn't walk around? Where are the flight attendants? No one told her no? And a third person commented, nobody's going to talk about those filthy socks and the fact that she's flying in pajamas? Yeah, some people. Some, some people. Moving on here. The world's largest recorded freshwater fish, a giant stingray, has been caught in the Mekong River in Cambodia. And scientists are excited about this. The stingray, captured on June 13th, measured almost 4 meters or 13 feet from snout to tail and weighed slightly under 660 pounds. According to Wonders of the Bekong, a joint Cambodian-U.S. research project, the previous record for a freshwater fish was a 646-pound Mekong giant catfish discovered in Thailand in 2005. The stingray was snagged by a local fisherman south of the Stung Treng in northeastern Cambodia. The fisherman alerted a nearby team of scientists from the Wonders Group, and they quickly joined on in to watch it happen. The scientists arrived within hours of getting a post-midnight call with the news and were amazed by the sight. Yeah, when you see a fish of this size, especially in fresh water, it's hard to comprehend, so I think all of our team was stunned, Wonders of the Mekong leader Zeb Hogan said in an interview with the University of Nevada in Reno. How awesome is that? Let's move on. An unusual property is for sale in Missouri, formerly served as an 1800s-themed tourist attraction and includes two cabins, a grist mill, a schoolhouse, general store, a tavern, blacksmith shop, and a jail. Marion Shipment, 
who owns the property in Warsaw, said he and his family began constructing the 19th century-inspired theme park in the late 60s, and the attraction opened up to tourists in 79. For a $3 fee, visitors were treated to tour buildings that included a pair of authentic 1830s cabins and recreations of 19th-century buildings, including a post office, blacksmith shop, and jail. Shipman said he and his family were constantly adding new attractions to the park. We'd tear down a building during the summer and build something with it during the winter every year. So every year we had this little circle of locals that would come in at the beginning of every season to see what new thing we had built. The park closed to the public, though, in 1995, and Shipman and his family moved into the cottage intended to be the park's operator's shop in 2005. Shipman is now hoping to find a buyer interested in restoring the park to its former glory. He has said a previous attempt to sell the property in 89 failed to spark interest. We listed it, never had a single person come and look at it. Asking price, $295,000. And finally tonight... Not even death could end this grudge. A Texas woman was booked after allegedly spitting on a corpse at a funeral home during a viewing. 51-year-old Lori Lynn Hins uh, walked into the funeral home in Tyler, Texas on November 29th, went up to the casket, spit on the corpse, said her arrest affidavit. A witness said Hins had an animosity towards the family of the person in the casket. She was arrested June 5th and charged with state jail felony abuse of a corpse. She posted $2,500 bond the next day. Who does that? Who seriously does that? Goes into a funeral home and spits on the corpse. Terrible. I just don't get people sometimes. I really, really do not get people. But, hey, it is what it is. And you know what? Sometimes you can't make this stuff up, Tim. Sometimes you can't make this stuff up. And this is why we have Shirky Poo's News, my friend. This is why we have Yeah, corpse, corpse spitting is unacceptable. No, I'm not. No one would stand for that. No, it's, no. Yeah. I'm just wondering why nobody from the family decked her for doing that. But we will never know, my friend. As we say thank you to Tim coming on in for the big show tonight. We say thank you to Shirky Poo for the news and Swamp Dweller and Dirty Filth for adding to the show. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in the chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us. Because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you 
want to bring a friend, we've got room for them too. Good night. I can't believe I just scratched that car. Find my insurance card. Dude, what do you have in this glove box? Ew, are these socks dirty? Oh, forget about the socks. I need my insurance card. Just pull it up on the State Farm mobile app. What, I can do that? Oh, hey, I can do that. Yep, it's called service. I can file a claim on here, too? Yeah, it's it's called service. Whoa, I can call my agent, too? It's called service. Insurance with local agent? It's called service. Call State Farm agent E.J. Roberts in Gulfport today. <sighs> Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today.